0: to the podcast. Thanks, Nigel. It's a pleasure to be here. Maybe what we could do is just start with an introduction um, of who you are and your experience in the industry. And, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, go into a few very interesting topics, I think, at the moment. Well, I've just received a, a letter from Latitude Finance. I'd actually like to have a bit of a chat with you about that one. I think that's... Uh, pretty interesting one and it's uh, I'm sure in the back of many people's minds at the moment absolutely um, yeah cool so alright I think that's uh, that's it that's a wrap let's end the podcast right there <laughs> no more questions alright let's, <laughs> yeah, let's do it alright so a bit of an introduction and over to you mate
1: yeah so look um, you know
0: we've known each other for quite some time we
1: um, been through a fair bit so for myself look I've been in IT for about altogether maybe good good, solid 20 years plus uh, specifically in cybersecurity for almost six years now. So focusing on cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah, cool.
0: Thanks for that. Um, all right. I just wanted to just get your take. I mean, we, we've had a bit of a chat, you know, prior to the to the podcast, just about what we thought, um, you know, about this letter, mm, yeah. you know, but, but obviously it started with uh, a, 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 an exploit or a hack or, or something uh, of that nature. Um, I'm going to hit this at a very sort of at a very basic basic level from a customer point of view you know I hear about it on the news and and then you sort of sit there wondering well you know I'd uh, used Latitude in the past I'm wondering whether or not you know my information has been been hacked or I haven't heard anything for a long time you know it seemed seemed like an extremely long time before um, actually received any communication from Latitude and then on the 5th of June, I get this uh, get this letter and uh, it says notification of cyber incident. And, you know, I think as a, as a customer, you're kind of like, oh, okay, you kind of heart sinks. You know, you sort of think, oh, wow, you know, what does that mean I've been hacked? Um, but anyway, I'll quickly just, just um, go through some of the, the points on here and maybe you can comment as I, as, I, as I go through it. Obviously, the government's pretty heavily involved. I would say that they've been Discussing this with them um, and mm-hmm. what their uh, what they would consider a you know an appropriate response to their customers. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, you know, at the, at that point when they found out about the site the the cyber attack, um, and the and the fact that the customer data was actually compromised. I mean, what in in your mind, what do you what do you think is the sort of the the first steps for a business. I mean, obviously we we're not here to provide legal advice, um, but you know, a hacker going into latitude would say, okay, great. If I can get access to this information, I can then go ahead and spin up a another um, you know another account or start putting some you know credit uh, under that person's name and steal their identity. Um, so, I mean, as a small business, I'll go back to that point. As a small business, what do you think is or even as a large business like Latitude, are the first kind of steps?
1: Well, if you were there on, on the receiving end of a hack, geez, I don't know. Um, I haven't really experienced anything that big. As a business, what are you legally obligated to do? Um, what sort of regulations, uh, legislations or frameworks you need to adhere by? So the most obvious uh, first one that comes to mind is probably the, and you're probably familiar with this as well, is the Privacy Act, right? The Australian Privacy Principles for Australian Business that covers like how you handle uh, information customers informations or people who you do business with um how you how you handle it how you protect it what you're allowed to do with it what you're allowed to collect so obviously if we go if we talk about latitude situation where they've hmm. i'm just looking i'm i'm looking up as we're chatting here like we are talking about Geez, I don't know how many records they were holding um, of um, customers. Yeah, over three hundred thirty thousand customers affected through the attack. So that means that you had latitude hanging on to all that data. And this is a question for you: Is how long, how long ago did you use them? When's the last time you used them?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't remember. Like I act- really, actively using I, yeah, like it. Yeah, it must have been, must have been or- a, a very long time ago. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, if I can just read, I'll just quickly read out what it says. It says, what happened? It says, Latitude experienced a malicious cyber attack that it resulted in data theft. All right, so this is under what happened. Our investigation identified that the attacker used compromised login credentials, right? So obviously, well, I'll go on. It says, obtained via a third party to access Latitude's network and steal personal information. So obviously, they've given you know, database access or something like that to somebody that's, you know, in an agency and maybe that person's left or they, you know, they haven't had a proper hygiene sort of password policy. Maybe that person got hacked and then they have then gone on to use those details. They've not reported the hack or they've not known about it. And then they've gone in and I mean, we're speaking hypotheticals, but I mean, you know, what they've obviously confirmed is that regardless of the information that was taken, the way that they got in is very similar to other instances where data has been used. For example, with Facebook, um, you know there, there was that uh, there was a third party just, just a few oh, years ago. Yeah, actually. look,
1: I mean, we talk about you know. the last noticeable breaches in the last couple of decades. So Equifax in 2017, right? Mm. Uh, one of the largest credit reporting agencies. They had a massive yep. breach, right? And... I think that was, again, I'm I'm quoting my data here, Uh, the 147 million people affected by the breach. That's a lot of data. Mm. Um, Things were like uh, addresses, birthdates, social security numbers, driver's license numbers also were in in that. Um, That was huge. That was in 2017. I'm going through chronological order here. This this is one I've read about as well. Marriott, the hotel chain, they had a compromise. About 500 million customers' data was... Uh, breached as well, unauthorized. Yeah, that was access. in two,
0: ter- I think April 2021 or something, wasn't it? Roughly,
2: uh, yeah, or was that, yeah. When it was reported, oh, that was reported, but yeah, that,
1: well, that could be a different one. This was the one I'm reading here is from uh 2018. Uh, yeah. then you're getting closer. You've got um, oh, the face, you you're probably know more about this than me. The uh,
0: the Facebook or the Cambridge Analytica um profile breaches with Facebook, yeah, that was all done via third party, you know, it was all done via third, they Lightning, then. Yeah, they were siphoning the information off and then using it. But I think there was a, I don't I don't know what I want to say it's conspiracy theory, but I think it they were linked to the government oh. somehow. Oh, um, when they yeah. were using Cambridge Analytica was a, yeah, was, yeah I don't know whether or not they used the data or not, but I think it was somehow linked. Yeah. Um, they'd, or they'd done work. But then, but see, this is, I mean, when you use these third parties, why I think it is... Uh, that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about the letter is because when you use these third parties like agencies, um, you know, whether it's marketing agencies or development agencies, you know, um, and I know you've done some work recently um, on this, but, you know, this uh, having the right framework um, when you engage these third parties is, you know, really important, whether you're a small business or you're a large business, or, you know, larger enterprise like, like Latitude, you've got to make sure... You can't just say, "Oh, well, you know, I thought they had their, you know, cyber security stuff sorted, Absolutely. right?" Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, what frameworks? Yeah. I mean, I've dealt security. with vendors in the past where we've, you know, big, big contracts. I know when I was working, um, you know, previously we spent, you know, six months of of discovery work and everything, and then we got to the point where we knew we'd worked out that their information was going to China. Or <clears throat> excuse me. Or they were using third parties in China, so then that basically killed the whole, the whole you, deal you exactly right yeah. you
1: can ask that question the more it's more um the biggest biggest red flags i guess when you're doing some sort of third party betting if they can't give you answers off the bat um or give you any type of articulated questions i'm sure you don't i don't want to put a lot of companies on spot in the first meeting etc but you know expect them to come back with response this is our data management life. Um, data management policy we have. Well, we actually have policies in place. These are the processes and procedures we follow if they are, if they obviously relate to the type of uh, business that you're doing with them. Um, red flags if they don't know where the data's going. They don't know who's going to be handling it. They don't have any policy procedure. If, if in I guess in IT or the cyber security space, if they
0: seem very immature. What do you think is a, is a good approach for someone who's running a medium to small-sized business?
1: I think if you just look up, like literally, if you Google cyber hygiene, there's lots, you know, good good practice and good cyber hygiene. Um, good cyber hygiene, so things like um, strong passwords, strong and unique passwords. And yep. it's been, been a hot topic with where I've been working with and who I've been working with at the moment. Um, the current uh, guidelines by NIST. NIST is an organization in America, obviously, that has... Um, has a good documentation and framework of what they follow and what they mm-hmm. actually recommend. Um, so, I mean, on the topics of passwords, the the current standard is to use strong passphrases and multiple yeah. passphrases, three or four passphrases segmented with even hyphens is better. It makes it harder to crack rather than um, something that's predictable. You know, someone could pick up what you'd be using through social engineering four random words with hyphens in between is harder to crack than something that you can come up and that's memorable and it would be quite easy for you to memorize four random words in a row versus Mm. a scrambled uppercase lowercase hash here and there so the reason why they moved to that is because people don't want to learn uppercase lowercase and they don't want to memorize it
0: yeah well it is very hard i mean uppercase and lowercase is not so hard but just coming up with a non-reusable password for every single website you go to. And I think, you know, Google have got a big marketing campaign going on at the moment an advertising campaign about Chrome storing your passwords for you. Um, how, you know, how like compared to say, for example, last pass or one pass, you know, for a small business, what would, you know, what would you recommend? I mean, Google sen- tends to do it pretty well and it's the most, I think it's the most convenient cause it's native to the browser. It, more intuitive and, and uh, native. And I suppose this is, this is probably why Google is, is pushing everybody to save their passwords into Chrome. I, I have another theory, and that is they want to maintain people using their browser, obviously, because, you know, <laughs> if you store all your passwords into Google, not everybody – I mean, how safe is it to move your passwords from, you know, one browser to another if you export it as a text file, save it to your desktop and then yeah, <laughs> and import no, it well, again, you know? It's no, exactly. Like, <laughs> so you're
1: better off yeah, using, yeah, yeah. you know – I can, like, layman person, everyday person, um, Google, LastPass, 1Password, Bitboard, and all those password managers can ma- manage your passwords and store them safely than you could ever do, right? Yep. Saying that, though, if you have a very strong steel door and you leave the key at the front, someone's just going to use the key to open the door and get in, right? So back, back to strong and unique passwords, um, what I was getting at earlier was, you know, the more complex you make it, the more less people want to use it, or just in the inability to remember long complex passwords, and yeah. uh, what what they've seen is why we're moving to passphrases, because people actually just mm. will tend to um, append it with a number or prepend or append it yeah with one a two three step. four the same and password
0: with one two three four at the end makes it very yep.
1: predictable. So if you f- do find a way to compromise it, but if you habit of re- if you have a habit of reusing passwords, Joe's joggers gets compromised and they steal the password hashes because they are not storing it in a safe manner in an ineffective manner. Now they have potentially your email and a password that you use. And as a mm-hmm. bad guy, that's the first thing you try in all the other accounts. Yeah, exactly. Right. So and then even if you change it, you might iterate to, you know, my best password zero three. as attacker, if you know I've seen you use zero one and zero two, my next likely conclusion would be you might be trying zero three, the next iteration. So that's why yep. you know um, it's easier to maintain the passphrases. Now, saying that, not all yeah. systems support passphrases. So, uh, and
0: you know what I find so damn annoying about websites—they all have different requirements for passwords. Absolutely. So uh, some say, "Oh, you you got to use a you know a character," and then you got to use an uppercase, lowercase, and it's got to be eight characters. And then some say, "Oh, it can be six. and then some says, "Oh, you know it could be two. There has to be some. I feel like I, I mean this is why I think it's really good for Google to be pushing right now because it's on the on the minds of everybody um so,
1: take it off the piece of paper in the post-it put it in chrome browser for, for the love of god do not put it on yeah exactly not, Do not put it on yep. your notepad well, you know
0: people just tend to who leave passwords mentioned. lying around or <laughs> stick them on the bottom of things you know it's That's, um the classic you know who would think to pick that
1: device up and look underneath it for the password who would have yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah because
0: if you steal it there's no way you're going to not like look under, on, the, on the bottom of it right it's just
2: <laughs> yeah
1: so look, i mean i've just recently yeah. personally yeah. gone through a um a debate with the compliancing compliance insurance and so basically as you mentioned there's lots of standards right yeah so we've moved to a particular standard we moved towards nist they recommend longer password uh change periods mm-hmm. and they've also recommended passphrases so strong long passphrases ah, yeah, right yeah yeah totally against whatever they their, their standard they use they're looking for more complex multiple changes and so there's a obviously a gap in their analysis versus what we're doing versus what they need for their compliance to give us insurance mm-hmm. so we have to go in and, and actually you know not, it wasn't a debate or a fight it was more like why am i uh, like you know they're not evolving with everybody else and that like you said there's lots of different standards so you hit one site, they'll ask for six characters another side can't take more than six even though you have 10 for example so it's always going to be like that for a while until there's a unified standard but saying that if the company or the website or the service you're using has a bad data protection or bad habit bad cyber habits they get hacked their password's going to go out anyway yeah um that's right. so yeah look mm. strong passwords Right. you don't have to rotate if they're strong you don't have to rotate them as as often and you probably don't need to um sorry you should not use the same password over and over again across your different platforms it's just a given um Mm. I mean I go through like there's lots of things you could do next thing would be multi-factor authentication right so yeah even with Chrome if you had MFA you know sure they get username password they still need to get that other factor authentication and
0: yeah, well, I think that this is this is one of the reasons why we're pushing for multi-factor authentication. The Whole point of that is to you can you don't have to build it as as a company. You can just rely on Google's authentication. You know, it's uh it's got two factor built in, or you know, um, with an SMS or an app or whatever. And I think the app is more secure. I think you were saying um, in the past, but you know, it, it allows you, and then you don't have to worry about passwords because you've only got one to remember. And that's the one to your, your Gmail account and and your or your Google account in workspaces and you're done you know you can just uh, you can sign into as many so i tend to only shop at sites that offer that social login now because i just couldn't be bothered having to worry about where that password will end up you know stored in that browser somewhere along the line against my google account if i lose access to it or something happens i get you know somehow some way they find a way into that account um you know, it, it's I'm stuffed anyway because they're going to take my account. I can't log into it. They'll change the password. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. you may as well. I find it's the path of least resistance. And I think for me, it was funny. I, I went a while ago. I went to a um a uh it was a was a hacking convention that was on in Sydney, uh, and one of the the um, commentators uh, there, or the guest speakers, I should say, um was he, he mentioned that hackers are like water. They just tend to find the path of least resistance no matter what you do. So like you get last pass, they'll hack your last pass. You know, or you know, or they you put two-factor on SMS and they'll find a way to report your phone. Um, or you know, or, or it's just about making it harder and harder for them to try. But they end up finding a way. I it's- mean, it's if they really wanted to I mean, look, they got into bloody Jeff Bezos's phone, right? They uploaded the the, was it Mossad? Was it or no? It was the it was the uh, Saudis or something, right? They got into his phone. They they found a way. They knew there was an exploit in the wild. Is there anything else in this letter? I mean, the only thing that, that, that before we move on, maybe I just wanted to say that the information they they do list the information that was that was um was taken or was compromised. Mm. The steps they are taking and the steps that I should take as a customer of my identification being um, being uh, stolen. Um, okay. They 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 put a mental health line number for wellbeing and support, and I think this is important. Because and I think this is this would have been a um, a government requirement, I reckon, because of the sheer amount of people that were affected. Or it may have been them just doing it, but they've put um, idcare.org, yep. um, which is linked to idcare.org. I'm I'm not sure if that's government backed. Do you know much about id idcare?
1: I haven't, but I mean, yeah. good to have a look at it.
0: Yeah, it'd be worth having a look. And then there's like a one-eight hundred number there. I mean, you know, it, it's funny because it's highlighted in bold. It's sort of like, yeah, don't the website's the first port, but then you won't want to ring this one eight hundred number because it's probably more secure. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and then, then there's a referral code that they give you. And I think they must bill they must bill latitude for the time that they spend on the on the call. Well, um, and then there's a privacy complaint section that you can go to at the IO, uh, OAIC, which, yep. um, Information Commissioner. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's steps you can take to protect yourself. Now, what they're basically recommending, it's, and you know, you and I have both worked with Veda and and uh, you worked previously, I think, BayCorp, right? I mean, we know yeah, what these Vida, things. Yeah, Equifax. yeah so you got to yeah exactly so they're putting saying to basically put a a credit stop on your account and uh, nothing will automatically go go through yeah so
1: there's there's a few services you can do that will alert you if anybody's trying to take out a loan in your name um i'd say it'd probably be worth it and i think that's part of what they're um, providing uh yeah yeah so i'll take them up and off i create an account monitor your credit report um yeah, it's just it's just messy. Look, most of the times you can resolve it, but like I mentioned last time, I had a colleague mm. who went through it, tried to get his house loan. Turns out somebody took a Telstra account in his name and then never paid it off. And that basically bailed him up for a month and a month or two to get his house. So I mean yeah, like right. yeah, if you're trying to land a property and that comes up in the middle of your loan, it's kind of a pain. Even if you don't get the service, you know, you didn't get a true latitude act. Eighty bucks mm. for a piece of mind, you know, eighty bucks a year whatever it is. Um yep. One thing I want to point out is you can get your credit credit report for free once once a year for free. So yep, just got to write in, uh, follow the forms. They'll provide you your credit report for free. like once a mm-hmm. year or twice a year, whatever it is. What to will do is we'll have a look at your rating and see if there's anything on there that shouldn't be. That's how you mm-hmm. get to pick it up. Better pick it up now than when
0: you're actually trying to. When it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I mean- yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't actually done anything yet, <laughs> and this is, I think, a lot of people that just. Um, you know, they they tend to go, oh, that's yeah, okay, it looks all too hard. I'm not going to really worry. I'll worry if something happens and then by that point, it's too late. So that was the 5th of June. Look, it's, a, it's over a month later, well over a month later. I think that's um, why
1: websites like IDK exist to help you guide through what you need to do and they'll actually answer questions for you. So it's probably worthwhile mm-hmm. to visit. Um, are you talking about what they do with the data, Um, you know, I think most of the common things obviously identity theft, backing up those loans, which is what we're just talking about. Mm. Um, and obviously, they're going to probably commit financial fraud, just trying to get money for themselves. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you don't think about, uh, you may not think about, and this is actually coming back to that Facebook. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post. So basically, uh, phishing and social engineering. So because now they have your data, they can impersonate mm-hmm. you a lot better. So, amongst the circle of your friends, colleagues, or any of your contacts, they might be able to, you know, gain their trust more because they're pretending to be you. So, that's mm-hmm. another thing they could use for social engineering. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about the Facebook one, I've had three different people on my Facebook network, uh, close friends of mine, just came up and said, um, hey, you know, I've experienced where somebody's cloned my Facebook account and is trying to connect to my friends. Now... Mm. How that plays out or how what they're gonna actually end goal is, I'm not sure. Because yeah. mm. um, you know, you you need to need to know a little bit more detail on the path they're gonna take. But obviously they're trying to social engineer, they're trying to get that other friend to connect again. And yeah, most times I see it's very small things like, oh, you know, I need need some money, I need like two grand. I'm in trouble. Can you send it like to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Once yeah. you accept that friend request from that cloned account, you kind of have that inbuilt trust because you think it's them. Depending yep. on your relationship, you might go,
0: "Yeah, no worries, I'll flick you the
1: money or things like that." And that's mm.
0: the quickest way they make a buck. No, no, that's a good point. Do you think is it defined as hacking?
1: Yeah, absolutely, social engineering. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We go like, as
0: to- in, like, if somebody clones my Facebook account, your Facebook account, whatever, that is that considered a hack or is it an attempted hack? Um, Mm, because they really haven't stolen anything, right? At that point, they've really just taken what's publicly available and repurposed it to, obviously, for malicious intent. But until a a crime is actually committed, is that, again, I suppose it's against Facebook's usage policy anyway, right? So, uh, Yeah, but it's not a crime per se. It's not a punishable crime.
1: Is it illegal?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so maybe we should ask ChatGPT. It's better than half the lawyers I know, that's for sure. (laughs) If I met Mm. you
1: on the street and said, my name was Jim Bog, I'm lying to you, obviously. Um, Mm. I haven't really done anything except lied about my identity. You know, not really legal, right?
0: Yeah, it's impersonating somebody for sure. I suppose, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a bit like giving the police false information or giving someone else's identity. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: you give police false info. That's actually a crime.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's so that's that's what I'm saying. It's like you're you're providing, you're misleading somebody to a point where you're going to commit the crime. So it's you're, you're, of, you're setting yeah.
1: up a story. You're setting up a story yeah. in the background. Yeah. That's, yeah. What's, that's what's part of social engineering. I have a really funny. um uh, I don't know. You probably see it connect to you. So part of the exercises we do is obviously some of the social engineering. I get really, depending on what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to achieve, sometimes I'll just use thrower names like a Let Me In is a is a name I use on uh, LinkedIn a lot to connect to people, to get information from them. Um, yeah. It's very obvious it's not a real name, but a lot of people still accept that link.
0: Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Blindly just click, oh, someone, someone wants to connect, oh
1: phishing social engineering we're talking about account takeovers as well they can yeah. um go to your services and try and uh, take control of it your utilities etc um ransomware extortion uh, so ransom not ransomware ransom or extort mm-hmm. you for something because they have more yep. information on you yep um also they help them with spear phishing uh, spear phishing or phishing in general because now you have information now we've come across where um the ceo right that was targeted yeah Yep, yeah, because big target, yeah. and they knew a little bit. Of information. Pretty much every
0: organisation that I've been to, it's happened. Yeah, you know, so they ask for gift cards or vouchers, or absolutely. you know, they ask for non-traceable, you know, forms of, you know, money basically.
1: So, so I've seen this in some cyber professionals and a lot of IT professionals as well. They don't see the significance of a uh, a spear phishing, spear phishing or a waiting yeah. attempt because yeah. For me that sets off alarm bells because people have done some research they've done some recon yeah, on us. Someone's actively
0: uh, sat there behind the keyboard and went right I'm going to target it's, this business target that person. That's
1: not normal spam. That
0: CEO. Yeah. Correct. They, yeah,
1: they know yeah. names and sometimes they even know the business processes. So
2: mm.
1: it's not you know everything's on fire or everyone's on defcon 1 because of it but you you need to be very aware that someone's starting to look closely at your business or has had the time to sit mm. down and do some recon so
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you hear horror stories of you know, a simple email back with a different BSB number, an oh, account yeah. number, you know, uh, with a different happened, sounding trading name or something like that and then I've, it gets deposited I've, into there, then they withdraw the, the money out and then they close the account down, the thieves have gone and then you never see them again, you know, $100,000 has gone down the, the It
1: the happened to, a, uh, happened to toilet, a friend of mine. Basically. So basically they're putting a house deposit on. Um, they sent it to the real estate agent. The email chain from the real estate agent, real estate agent was fine. It wasn't a different email or different. It was from them. So the real estate agent was compromised. Yep. Somebody had changed the deposit account on there. And by the time they realized that they were, they were waiting for the money, the real estate agent was like, I didn't get the money. And mm. my friend's like, we sent it. Mm. And they look closely to the email chain and they've realized on the, one of the returns, somebody has changed it to in a different account. Um, They were able to recover the money, fortunately, because the banks are quite good with the stuff. If you can validate and verify that, you know, that money was supposed to go there and they haven't moved it out, they're able to um, cancel that transaction basically. But if the other, both parties didn't realize that, I've not just bothered to check that the money landed there. They may not have picked it up in time. So if that guy went and pulled that cash out, we're talking like 40, 50K for that deposit.
0: Wow, amazing so lucky that they they picked up on it isn't it i mean you hear it i'm sure it's still happening today i mean the 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 sheer dollar value you hear about that uh you know everyday aussies and businesses get done um, with these types of crime every year are pretty astonishing um you know it's it's you don't have to sort of put your imaginary (laughs) hat on to realize the impact to the everyday lives of you know the mums and dads working from you know businesses from home or or you know it's um it's pretty pretty low Was act So uh, i I'll, I'll wrap up i'll wrap up this thing this um latitude stuff cuz there's there's nothing more here to talk about i think that's pretty much done
1: well, i think we just maybe should mention what you do so obviously uh if you've been affected by any breach absolutely take out all the services they provide go to idcare.org um follow up with the credit checks um, i think that's key that's absolutely key if they decide to ever use your data to you know do anything on towards or get get finance on under your name you need to be ahead of that
0: yeah yep yep no i agree i think um there's nothing else on this letter obviously that credit stop i think is probably the biggest one just that getting that uh Automation stops, so nobody can take out to finance in your name.
1: Next piece I want to talk about. So basically, it's a bit of a horror stroke. do no no, 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 it's kind of old news in cyber news in cyber yep. in the cyber realm. It happened in, in 2010, around 2010. But and and again, it was all a bit hush hush. They were talking about CIA, NSA, uh, Israel's um, cyber division. Now have you
0: heard of Stuxnet? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I have. How much yep, that how was much the we... PLC
1: controllers? <laughs>
0: controllers in the in mm-hmm. the um nuclear um nu- nuclear facilities, right? They mm-hmm. they were they put an exploit in there so they could overspin the centrifuges or something oh, and yeah, it would so... break them. Yeah, I so, heard yeah, that. So... Yeah.
1: So basically, StarksNets, which is the name of the uh, malware, was specifically designed to disrupt the operation of the industrial control systems in Natanz, in Iran's uh, nuclear facilities, right? And again, while well, listeners are listening, this may be old news, but I just wanted to share it because you know I've been doing more research and reading on it. It's quite you know quite interesting. Um, more more so the how they did it. And I think a lot of people didn't uh, get the full details of the techniques they used. This was quite interesting. So just mm. to give a quick overview, it was discovered in 2010 by um, Symantec and Kaspersky. They they sort of saw the first sample, started realizing what it was doing and how it was doing it. Yeah, um, It's more like a, it was a very complex malware, very advanced. And mm. to this day, it hasn't been confirmed, but everyone's saying it's basically state sponsored. It has to be to be yeah, that sophisticated, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's self-propagated and it had a specific purpose, right? Which was to target the PLCs in a very specific country, etc. cetera. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're talking about what the things it used to get around, right? So uh, I don't know how much you know about, um, you know, I'm just assuming here, but the fence, right? Um, we're talking about exploits. Um, exploits that are known um and versus zero day exports right so exports that you yep. know usually pass very quickly by vendors so as long as you do your updates on your phones your laptops your pcs that yep. particular method to get past something or you know or break a particular system is usually patched zero day is different obviously it means that only the bad guy knows how to use it and zero day is a uh, very rare um yep. but also very expensive on the black market so if you think about it, if you find a zero day, there's also a lot of bug bounty programs, right? And I think Apple has a bug bounty program. Apple you, does,
0: yeah, yeah. There was a few years ago, there was that young kid. He was like 13 or 14 he, or something. Yeah, exactly. So he, and he found,
1: well, no, I, sh- I think he actually hacked Apple.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, did he? Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah, kind of partially reading the story. Ended up hiring, yeah.
1: Hiring, I believe. Um, mm. Oh, so basically, I mean, why
0: wouldn't you? You'd give him a job straight away, right? Oh, you know
1: like, mean? <laughs> uh, catch him if you can.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. exactly.
1: But a zero-to-exploit basically is hard to come by. Um, if you're a white hat, um, you're one of the good guys, you find the exploit, you probably... And it's a bug, bug bounty program. You a know, cash in. You're going to contact the vendor say, hey, I found a way to do something. And I think Apple pays up to a million dollars for a zero-touch network-based exploit if you can get through. Mm. Something, something like that. So it's worth a lot of money, but it's also worth a lot of money to the bad guys. Uh, so on mm. the black market... Um. Uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, zero-day vendor, vendors will pay top dollar to have it first and do things yep. with it. Yeah. So the funny thing about Stuxnet, it had lots of zero-day capabilities. Um, It had more than one zero-day cap- right. uh, capabilities for it to go around and spread. But so that's one of the key sort of characteristics of it that sort of made, wow, you know, this is, uh state-sponsored. Uh, mm-hmm. It's spread by USB. So they, they traced it back to a USB drops across the, uh, I think it was the engineers that worked in the plant, the facilities. They sort no of joke, but well, in the car there.
0: park or something, they just dropped the USBs in the car park? Or yeah. is it? Is it, yep. they plugged them into the machines and... And, oh, plugged, oh, and then
1: plugged it in the machine. So that's the thing, right? So you see a USB drive, you find God. a flash drive on the And a lot of, um if you go to DEF CON, a lot of the, um, I don't know if they do it now, but... uh you yeah, go the security events. They'll, sometimes they'll do that, not for, well, I don't know if it's nefarious reasons, but for, for testing, right? You you just drop a USB stick on the ground with a payload yep. on it and see who plugs it in and does stuff with it. Yep. Um, it could also network propagate. So that's what StocksNet did. It also had rootkit functionality, which allows it to hide its presence and get stuck into the system. So even reboots and things like that will be hard to get rid of it. You'd have to probably mm. do a full machinery, right?
0: Uh, and then obviously the um, it basically destroys the machine, doesn't it? Really, like its operating system and, and and everything, doesn't it? Like to get to get to get rid of it, like you literally have to wipe it and start again.
1: Yeah, exactly. There, mm. there, back in the day, it was also BIOS uh, BIOS level rootkits. Uh, not so frequent nowadays. So.
0: I mean, we've mentioned quite a few things. We've mentioned obviously uh, viruses and obviously antiviruses and things. You don't have to tell people these days. They know that these are standard things that they need to run.
1: You should be surprised. I mean, we didn't be talking about cyber hygiene, strong passwords, multi-factor authentication, always do regular updates. Try not to delay updates on your phones. Uh, A lot of people don't do it because they're afraid, oh, it's going to slow my phone down. It's going to slow my machine down. It's inconvenient. But honestly, today's... Would modern machines phones this right? updated Um, the other one's awareness, phishing awareness this is like I'm just rattling off all the cyber hygiene tips right for
0: a small business uh, well I think they, they, it needs to be practical you know because a lot of the time these these businesses don't business owners they just don't have time to sit and research and they they, they rely on the news or their friends or the guy that knows something about computers or the the Uncle Bob or whatever you know, he he knows about computers and a lot of the times you know it's it's not necessarily the right right path. I would always say that you know if you're a business, um, small to medium sized business with you know customer data, you should always make sure that you're doing you know you're investing the right uh, in the right technology, the right um, firewalls, for example, the right network. You know we've just reviewed my entire network here, right? Um, but a lot of small businesses don't have time because you know they're just they're working in the business and they don't have time to work on the or business or
1: money to invest it's costly yeah or like, money as it well, can cost well the, a i bit. think the
0: whole lot was $5000 i think in total that we mm. that i'd spent i have spent on the firewall the ubiquity network um, you know uh, security cameras and so on but i think all up it's for me it's a peace of mind thing and it's something i know i can do and then I've got someone like you that I can call on but a lot of the times businesses need somebody that they can just ring up and say hey and I think it's an important point now in the podcast to remind people that if they do have you know something that they need or they have a question or there's something that they're they can go to to my website digitaldiscovery.group and then they can um, ask there's a chat they can go into and ask questions about um, you know the any questions they might have around cybersecurity and so on and we can, you know, we at some point we can, um, you know, potentially give them some advice about how to both um, up the business and the networks. Yeah, and-, and and or any concerns. I think a lot of times small businesses have that sinking feeling that something they know something's not quite right, but they don't have time. It's a bit like the mechanic's car that's that never starts. You know, um, it's the same thing. You know, you you're running a business. You you don't. There's the last thing you want to think about is hackers and cyber security. you're paying your bills you know via your little laptop sitting on your desk there somewhere and you know it's in your back of your mind oh shit maybe there is a virus on it. what's going to happen am i going to lose money and you know yeah i mean you can but ultimately i think anything that um any proactive sort of defense strategies and you know that you can that you can sort of put in place without having to be too technical um I think are always the best options. Like we said, last pass saving passwords in Chrome, antivirus software, making sure your device is always up to date. As soon as Apple release a an update, and a lot of the time. I, I mean, Apple. I don't know what your comment is on this one, but I, I noticed that you know, Apple. Since I've had my fourteen, actually, since I had the thirteen, and I moved to the fourteen, so the last versions of few versions of iOS. Um, there have been a lot more updates and I think one of the last updates they did was like a hot fix, one of the first times they've done it. Yeah. And they did yeah. brick a few phones, I heard. Um, I'm not sure how truthful that is, but uh, I didn't have any experiences like that.
1: No, um, they had the it's the Apple uh, rapid security response for iOS. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm all for it. Look, the I'm all for that. Obviously, I'm in industry, but I mean, one of the key things you're talking about in the business was yeah, have I been infected? Is there anybody in my network, etc. The The average dwell time at the moment, based on the 22 report, is about 16 days. That's about 16 days uh, some bad actors are in control or on your network mm. looking at things or doing things or preparing, right? That's the average. So that's it's almost, I don't know, that's almost a month.
0: And as a so, small business owner myself, I would be thinking, well, five seconds is long, too long. Yeah, look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to sit that's, there for so long, that's, I think that they're siphoning off information or... Yeah, not only that, you
1: know. but observing. Why would they be attacking you is one of the biggest things you're think about if you're... Why, why are you a target? Number one, it's basically just random. Some guys just going kind of Just do it for fun, do it for clout, take over account, knock a system over, whatever. But mm-hmm. most of the time, it's actually for gain. So they're trying to get something out of you, turn in money, trying to put ransomware on, mm-hmm. um or cyber stalking people you know to figure out where the movements of the ceo are so they can you know put into action some sort of plan to extort them etc um yeah but gee 16 days is a lot of time to do damage right but i'm not saying that businesses go out and spend 10 g's on a bunch of new switches routers with security wear stuff but there are a lot of like we, we're looking at and i'm an advocate for firewaller products i really really like the simplicity of them i really like they're quite accessible for an average home user or a small business because they've got yeah models i think my
0: converter was like a 900 800 bucks yeah and was. that's yeah, that's yeah. for
1: their, their top-notch solution too but i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking like even in a small business some dude's got three computers networked um you know some some business has three computers networked. they want to and some an IPS or IDS solution, they can put the firewall blue or the firewall purple in there and have some visibility of what's happening on the network, have some control, to yep. supplement what whatever network controls they have in place. They might just have an ADSL router that's most businesses run like yeah, one exactly. Once you go connected to the internet, it's and still sitting just...
0: on old firmware that have, <laughs> since they bloody plugged it in five yeah, years ago. which they don't update. So <laughs> it's, it's a quite a task sometimes, but now obviously. That's all auto updating, but yeah, there there are a lot of old, old modems and things out there, you know, that it would have exploits in them for small businesses. So maybe that's one thing, you know, like you said, update your hardware. Just spend a bit, spend a little bit of money, but spend it in the right areas, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Look, number one approach. Number one approach first is actually know what you got. Yeah. Right. Uh, do an inventory, catalog everything that's connected. You need to know what you have in there. You don't want to have a stray router from 1998 sitting there still connected to the internet mm. from back then right and an exploit that's been plugged many 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 years ago and then somebody stumbled across it um there's websites like shodan uh, have you heard of shodan yeah yep so shodan just actively scan everything on the internet and they catalogue it for people so as a as a good guy or a bad guy you can go on Shodan and say show me how many windows pcs there with certain ports open boom you got a list of stuff that it's found, and then you can decide if you want to attack it or not. I'm not advocating attacking because that's illegal. You shouldn't, you know, you should not uh, try and breach anybody's network without permission, unless you're a pen tester, etc. Obviously, um, but that's how easy it is. Like if you had something out there on the net connected, network connected, um, you don't update, man, It's a target. It's an easy target, as you meant, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast. You said, mm. uh, path of least resistance." we're obviously going to go for the easiest things. If you leave your password on the post-it
0: note. Yeah. Uh, whatever's easiest to get access to. And and just when you say pen, as someone like a uh, pen testers. So this is a, this is a, a, a qualified person who would try and breach somebody's network. Like a. Correct, like a correct, yeah.
1: So if you engage us, if you need to do a network assessment, you can engage us. And what we can do is um, perform a pen test against your, your company and your business. And it is a very, like the scope varies, so you can pen test networks. We can pen, we can do social engineering as well, uh, which is actually a valid way of getting in. Um, uh, but it varies depending on business and and you know how much they want to invest on it. Uh, but you know we can also do just basic maturity assessments. Uh, the most common thing now is uh, assessments against Australian the Australian Subsecurity Security is Essential Eight. A lot of businesses are moving to that model because it gives you. The essential it gives you those but the bare minimums you know to get a good foundation security and i think a lot of businesses are striving to meet and essentially is isn't very basic it's actually quite can be quite comprehensive depending on how mature your business is in that cyberspace cybersecurity space um but yeah we can also help with that
0: yeah i mean the government resources now for cybersecurity and and uh I think are pretty pretty good now. I mean, I remember once upon a time there was nothing. I think you'd have to stand up, stand in line at Service New South Wales and ask someone. But um, but now you know the the there is a lot um around threats and recent threats and there is a lot there. And I think getting bit small businesses as part of I think um this just you know this day and age, you really need to understand what government resources there are, um, Australian government framework that they're putting in um the cybersecurity center i think you know i think there's no excuses now for saying oh well i don't know about that sort of stuff i think you've got a uh you've got to take interest i think in in protecting what is essentially yours is your business and and hackers will try and as you said you know take whatever they can the easiest way they can and if you've got something altered in on your network or you've got an unpatched machine or you've some rogue in a store has put in, you know, the store manager wants to put free Wi-Fi in at their store, and they've got a a open access point connected to your Ethernet, you know, like, and you don't have the ability to detect it. You know, it's funny we've seen things like that before, but it's the path of least resistance to get in and and try and do what they can. So, yeah, that's super interesting, and I think um, I think uh, we could probably wrap it up there i think I, I i mean i think we've covered most of the topics for the podcast today i think um you know if, as a bit of a recap we could you know we we've looked at you know the intricacies i think of you know the cyber cyber world and cyber threats as you said you know it's, you spoke about stuxnet uh in the past and how you could have just that pimply faced 15 year old kid that wants to you know just take some bitcoin off a, a business and and do what they you know spend some spend some money buy a Lamborghini or something. Yeah, no. I <laughs> uh, sitting in the Ukraine somewhere. It used to be yeah. from the Ukraine, but they've all in Russia. But they've kind of all the brain yeah. drain there is kind yeah. of they've moved on, haven't they're they? Kind of they're kind of busy right now. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, But East, we'll just call it, it Eastern from. Europe. But yeah, yeah. And you know, we've also you know the latest attacks. I think you know if people want to know more, they're they're quite welcome to to uh, jump on and just Google um essential 8 i think that's a really good resource australian, australian
1: cyber security center jump
0: on that yep. that's that's probably the best
1: yep. first protocol if you you haven't considered this for your business jump on there yep. it will
0: have a lot of resources for you to use i think it's cyber.gov.au as well isn't there? uh, it yeah yeah um all right awesome and uh you know pro- proactive being proactive about you know what you're doing last passes, passwords we've kind of spoken about that um, actually, yeah. well, there is one more thing. I mean, there's emerging technologies and things. I mean, maybe in our next uh, catch up, we can talk. We can you could show us how easy it is actually to break into to something. And and uh, I think a lot of listeners would be interested to uh, to know uh, actually how easy is it? Because I think a lot of businesses when I speak to them, they're like, ah, oh, it couldn't be like that. I Wouldn't make computers that easy to 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 get into. And you'd be like, you'd be surprised how easy it is to actually hack in. And I think now with the likes of what's happened with data breaches and now that the government are requiring businesses to make it more public, it's getting more of a, a forum, there's more of a forum out there of people talking about it and the more people and the more individuals that are affected like the Facebook breach we spoke about and so on. Well, people are is. becoming more, it's I massive, think- like 530 million or something, right?
1: Mate, for awareness, I think the latitude breaches, um, I can tell you for a fact, a lot of insurance companies now are asking more questions because of these types of breaches. Oh yes,
0: you would. Right. I mean, it's a bit like floods. It's the same thing. You know, if the floods happen two or three times, (laughs) you're (laughs) you're expecting your insurance to go up. That's just sure. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um,
1: so yeah, it's, it's great, great for the exposure. Not, not good for latitude and the people affected, but great for the overall, um, publicity is giving like a lot of businesses are taking notice of it now and in, in the end the net result is probably a better result for a consumer and a customer you know the people you deal with as a consumer the services you mm. use those companies mm. are now you know taking heed and, and working on their cybersecurity and working on their cyber posture
0: so um yeah yeah and then as a i put my marketing hat on and i start to break out into a cold sweat um when i think about you know <laughs> customers and the the taste that it leaves on their tongue you know when they when they when they realize and they get a letter like uh like i've got here um it's yeah to try and get around that it's actually quite one thing i actually wanted to point out and i was going to point this out before but the letter itself it actually it actually is very very lightly branded it's not colorful so there's a if you think if you uh, think of um you know, just uh, sort of the, the neuroscience behind this neural marketing. You know, it's it's black and white. It's on an almost like a center. Not that I've ever received a Centerlink letter, but it's it almost looks like a Centerlink government issued thing, and it, and it's it got a very uh, serious tone. You know, I copied and pasted OCR. This copied and pasted the the um the the copy of this letter into into um, I think it was Grammarly just to see how what the tone and and how it was written um, yeah it's it doesn't really come across as uh, I would say in my mind and my opinion that they're actually sorry about anything I don't really get the feeling that they're sorry about anything I get the feeling that this is like we made a big mistake and this is what you think you should do and here's some mental health support and um all the best thanks uh, for coming that's yeah. that's the kind of feeling i that's my personal opinion of, of that letter but anyway all right yep. Ende. Well, thanks so much for your time mate is there we'll probably wrap it up there is there anything you want to last closing words or anything you want to say no
1: oh, it's been great it's fun for the uh, the inaugural uh episode so
0: yeah i hope many more to come there will be awesome All right, well, enjoy your day, listeners, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you again. It's actually late here uh, on a Friday, so we're going to enjoy a glass of wine. Thanks for coming. See you next time. Bye.